Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. I'm not ready to talk about this book. I mean, at this point, we've both procrastinated for six days. (laughs) Five days? Uh, Sunday, so I don't know. Yeah, five or six. Five, five, Five or six days. And I haven't wanted to to talk about it anymore during that time like i never got to a point where i'm like oh i feel better about this i just couldn't talk about it then yeah let's see who wrote it so we can assign blame okay (laughs) oh no uh 47 was written by ellen garrow holy shit seriously yeah ellen you're like you're everywhere ellen ellen you can't you can't write Jake books. You think you can do these things, but you just can't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't my favorite book. I agree. Especially after the last two, this one kind of fell short, I think. Yeah. She wrote the Tobias book, the Marco book, and then this. And it was like, oh. Yeah. It's not bad per se no it's 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 not i think here's the thing i think we are driving home this whole like jake is military jake is a lieutenant jake is you know like look at all of these comparisons to other wars and i'm just Mm -hmm. like i appreciate the reference but i think this one was just kind of like okay I get it. Yeah, it it was just too much. Like if he yeah. had have read the diary and then we got like snippets from the Jake narrative, I think it would have been a lot more effective. Like, oh, like cuz we know he's been studying this. We know he's been reading up on it. So if he read the diary and he like started in his own head saying like this is what this reminds me of or remember when this scenario happens, how do I like embody that? And like And then maybe the end chapter where he's, like, reading it and, like, we get the outro of the diary. Like, I okay. Like, I could, I'd be on board for that. I think this was just too much. What I thought they were going to do, actually, instead of doing entire chapters in Lieutenant Isaiah's perspective, I thought he was just going to do, like, little poignant, like, paragraphs at the beginning of each Mm -hmm. chapter that would kind of harken back to whatever was happening to Jake. And also... The Isaiah Fitzhenry parts of this book did not always line up with what was going on in the Animorphs book. Yeah, like, there were some sort of parallels, but, yeah, Mm -hmm. not really the same situation. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it was just like, oh, war's the same no matter what decade it's in, huh? Racist. Yeah, like. Yeah, and another part of that was towards the end of this book, I found myself 
more interested in the Isaiah Fitzhenry chapters than the Jake chapters, yeah. which really was detrimental. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, it wasn't bad. There's just problems. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you agreed, because... Like, I was expecting this to be another, like, really heavy hitter, and it just kind of didn't hit for me. I don't know. It, it still was heavy, but it wasn't a heavy-hitting book. And, like, it's upsetting because so much happened, and so much happened that just kind of got, like, and, by the way, this happens, we can do this now. Bye-bye! <laughs> like, and I hate that. There's a few things. And, like, there's also just kind of throwaway stuff where they're like by the way we can morph genes now because we're just good at it bye it's like no wait like wait like this is such yeah they can morph pants now oh when did that happen i don't think i noticed see that's how much of a throwaway it was oh no and like shoes and shit too when when they go to to i don't know how much you want me to say right now do you want me to just go for it? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. When they go to see the campers, when they're warning the campers, Jake just throws away this whole, like, good thing we can morph regular people clothes now and, like, what shoes because otherwise we'd look weird. Yeah. Oh, no. It's like, no, wait. That's a huge fucking deal. Oh, no. Really? Oh, God. Yeah. I don't even remember that. I thought, I don't know. I don't it's, even know. And it's also because, like, he says it so weird. He's like... You know, it used to be that we could only morph skin-tight clothes, but that would look pretty weird now. It's like, no, wait, but tell me, like, what exactly you can morph now. Like, I'm assuming it's not board shorts, you know, loose-fitting clothing, but, like, if you had some, like, regular kind of jeans on. Wait, 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 hold on. Oh, yeah, Yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm reading it right now. Oh, no. Right? But then, hold on. Okay, Let let me just read to you. And I'm yeah. confused. Maybe I'll, it'll become clear as I read. Okay, so he says, Thank God we've finally morphed some halfway decent clothes, a lot of experience, blah, blah, blah. We approached a campsite. A tall kid with glasses spotted us first. Hi, he said. Hey, I answered. Then we just stood there. Jake, fearless leader, do you have a plan? Or are you just going to smile and look stupid in our morphing outfits? Tobias said privately. So are they in morphing outfits or are they not? I'm assuming they're not because he mentioned wearing clothes. But then Tobias says... Are we going to smile and look stupid in our morphing outfits? Fucking shit. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I am confusion. Animorphs explain. (laughs) Okay. There's so much. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm upset already. Shit. Me too. Um, Should I start summarizing? I guess. I guess so. Okay. The beaver book. The beaver Angry book. Angry beavers. <laughs> I'd okay. rather talk about an episode of Angry Beavers. It was a good show. It was a great show. Okay, so okay. Jake is getting home right as it's about to rain. The meeting he just came from at the barn is what's taking up all of his brain power because the Animorphs are all arguing about whether or not they're going to go public or stay hidden. And it's quite a battle. So when his mom calls him, he replies, what? And then realizing a second later, he sounds like a jerk. And she asks him to close all the windows in the house before the storm gets here. She has to go to the vet to go get Homer for undisclosed reasons, but they ate away at me. Oh no, the boy. What's wrong with the the good boy? (laughs) The poor good pupper. 
Hopefully um, it's just like a tooth cleaning. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Yeah. He doesn't seem any worse to the wearer later in the book, so. Yeah. He's a good boy. He is a good boy. Um, then Jake's mom says, clean up the spare room in the basement. And Jake, the typical teenager at this point, says, Ugh, mom, can't that wait for tomorrow? And she's like, no, it can't wait. The contractor's going to be here first thing in the morning to estimate the cost of the new rec room. And if you clean it out, there's $20 in it for you. And Ooh. he is like, I know, right? Ugh, I'd love $20. Um, he's like, it's ridiculous that I am the leader of the Earth Resistance and I'm fighting to save everyone's butts and to save the world. And right now I'm being told to clean out a rec room for a lousy $20. I mean, that's a pretty good fucking sum for what she's asking for. And it sounds like it's mostly just boxes in there. It's not like mess yeah. to clean out. So like, that's like fucking... That's I know. 20 bucks for like 45 minutes of work. Yeah, like my fingers started twitching. I was like, oh, I'll do that. Wait, this yeah. isn't a book. This was 20 years ago. <laughs> Calm down. Hey, Jake's mom, I'll clean out the rec room. Oh, Come dude, on. I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> I volunteer to clean out the rec room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and then my favorite part of the book happens because it's so teenagery. He opens up the door at, like, the top of the stairs to the basement, and he sees all these boxes that are stacked up, like, empty boxes that his mom stacked there to pack up the rec room. And he kind of, like, pushes it a bit, and then they all go tumbling down the stairs, and he did not mean it. And his mom's like, Jake! God! <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I love that. That brought me right back to teenage dumb. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and then she's like, if you and your friends want a cozy place to hang out, then you need to clean that room. And Jake's like, nowhere will be cozy anymore. Not in the way the world is going. God, you don't understand, Mom. No one understands. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> There's aliens everywhere, Mom. You wouldn't know. God. He's very grumpy, uh, and I'm sad for him. He's like, it's just so funny. He's just such a teenager in this one chapter <laughs> i mean you know his his circumstances are a little different than most teenage boys but yes still very much yeah so. yeah i it is i mean that's the whole point right is that like kids it's not about discounting kids or mocking them or blah 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 because yeah. sometimes they know better but it's still very funny because like th i know this feeling all too well <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, oh man shit. Uh, so Jake's in the basement, closing all. He closes all the windows of the house. He goes down to the basement, and when he gets there, he finds that there is a window that is broken because a tree branch has broken off and smashed it. And he's like, "Ah, if only all my problems were this easy to fix." <laughs> <laughs> Emo melon days. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying now. <laughs> so we uh, cut to Jake crunching over broken glass in his sneakers because he is taping up the window with some cardboard for now. And we find out that the power has gone out because of the storm. And once the window is covered up, the only light in the basement is coming from a flashlight that he had taken from somewhere. I don't know. Wherever you keep flashlights in the house. <laughs> Cupboard, probably. I don't know. Uh, so Jake's going through the shit in the spare room. He opens up a trunk and he's starting to go through it when he hears the door slam upstairs. 
and he calls out thinking that it's his mom, but he hears no answer. So he goes up the stairs, and it's Tom standing dramatically in a doorway looking frazzled with, I assume, lightning flashing behind him to, like, create a <laughs> epic backlit scene. <laughs> yes. I like it. I like it, too. <laughs> so Jake's trying to play his younger brother role, and he's like, hey, Tom, you want to come help me in the basement? There's some cool shit down there. And Tom's like, no. <laughs> And he's like, you know what? Tell mom I'm not coming home for dinner. And then he starts muttering about his preparations and continues talking to himself. And Jake's like, well, that's a really bad sign. And also, I have to just pretend that that didn't happen because I don't want to tip him off that the yerk is talking to itself. So he's like, cool, dude. Bye. Goes back into the basement, continues to unpack a trunk. There's like a cool blue coat in there with brass buttons and some like knife shit. I don't know. Knife shit. Yeah. Some knife shit. Yeah. Knife shit. shit. Well, good. Because there's a lot of knife shit in this book. (laughs) Just in this trunk, though. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And there's a bunch of other shit in there. Jake is not putting together what all this is until the journal falls out of the coat that he's unraveling and he starts reading what it says in this book and when he gets the name lieutenant isaiah fitzhenry he realizes that this is his great great uncle that grandpa g had told him about and about then his mom gets home he can hear homer skittering into the house and then the power kicks back on conveniently conveniently it only went out to create this backlit flashing scene behind tom yep so this is our first switch to isaiah's perspective because reasons (laughs) so we cut to isaiah and his commanding officer had died during the night taken by the fever that is ravaging their camp he is freezing cold and now in command of this operation the orders had been for these 60 soldiers to defend their position from the opposing cavalry this had seemed so simple a few days prior, but once the sickness had ravaged the camp, it was hopeless or something. <laughs> then one of his men, oh God, what? I believe his name is Rainer, but autocorrect made it rained. It is Rainer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Rainier? Whoops. Is it Rainier? It just says rained. One of his men rained, came in. (laughs) I think it's Rainier. Jesus Christ. God, you think I'd have it settled by now? You'd think after fucking 50 some odd episodes I could get my shit together, but here we are. (laughs) Rains. Rains, rains, rains. Rains. Oh, it's four lines down had I just kept reading. Okay, so Rains comes in. (laughs) It's a stupid fucking name. (laughs) (laughs) and told them they'd captured one of the enemy men and after but it was only after he'd cut the telegraph line isaiah was like fuck now we're cut off and we have too few men to defend our position and he's like i'm only 20 as of yesterday i am baby i am baby and then he kept talking about how his features made him look even younger because he has like curly hair and i assume at some point cherubic cheeks were mentioned (laughs) (laughs) So he is determined to earn these men's respect, even though he looks like a babby. How is babby so, formed? <laughs> how a girl get pregnant? 
Uh, he told Reigns that if they have no new orders, they have to stand by the last orders. And so they're going to defend this camp no matter what it takes. And Reigns was not one to be defeated. He goes, sir, yes, sir. Isaiah then goes, where's this captive dude at? And they're like, in the infirmary tent. He tried to escape, so we shot him in the arm. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Isaiah's like, cool. <laughs> Our bad. <laughs> My bad, yo. So Isaiah heads towards the tent passing two young boys on the way who are practicing marching with a tin whistle and a drum. And as I, Isaiah goes, I may have to call on them for battle tomorrow. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like Helm's Deep. You have to get the old men and the children to fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Isaiah. Or okay, Jake. Isaiah. Fuck. No, Isaiah. Double Isaiah. Double right Isaiah. Double Isaiah. I think they really wanted to establish him. So Isaiah continues down the row of tents in the bitter cold when Reigns comes running up to him saying people had approached the camp and Isaiah's like, oh, who is it? Oh, God. And he's thinking the worst. So Reigns goes, they're the former slaves. Isaiah's like, oh, why? Why did you do that to me? You got me all like fucking upset, Reigns. I told you not to do that. <laughs> So then Reigns leads him over to these men, and he sees about three dozen men standing there, and he goes up, and he's like, yo, what's your name? And the guy's like, Jacob. And he's like, cool, Jacob! what do you want? Sorry. Jacob! <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what do you want? Like, supplies, food, what's going on here? And Jacob's like, no, we're here to fucking fight. It's like, we're all freed, and we want to keep fighting, because that is our fucking right now that we're free men. And Isaiah's like, Mm, there's no way I can have you fight, but, like, you know, you could dig shit. And they're, like... <laughs> then they start talking about contraband, how they, like... Which I don't know if this is true or not, so, you know. <laughs> I know somebody that does know, but... <laughs> Anyways. Because, you know, we'll be corrected. Oh. Oh, <laughs> sure. Okay. Anyways, um... Yeah, so allegedly, according to this Animorphs book, allegedly, they referred to freed slaves that fought as contraband. Or not not even fought, but, like, also, like, dug barriers and shit and, like, basically just helped to, like, you know, fight the war. Contraband. Because they couldn't actually fight to, like, free other slaves, but they could help in the war efforts. Allegedly, it was called contraband. I don't know if that's true or not but it's fine that's what it said in the book okay so moving right along <sighs> they're basically isaiah is basically like yo you and your men can dig trenches in exchange for food and clothes and jacob's like we're here to fight isaiah's like no you can help by digging these trenches and they eventually just fall in line behind reins to lead them off to wherever they're going and isaiah's like i have the feeling this conversation is just beginning da, da, da. So that's Isaiah. Um, then we cut back to Jake. And this is a weird chapter. So Jake wakes up suddenly to the shrill ring of the telephone. He grabs it and he's half asleep because it's the middle of the night. But he hears Cassie on the line. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I must have had the wrong speed dial. And then she just makes up some casual fucking nonsense like... I think Toby really likes you. You know, that girl in your classes at school, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's like... Cassie. Like, 
I get this is a coded message, okay, I get it, but, like, what made you say that, Cassie? <laughs> like, God. You could, like, be like, you, hey, our friend Toby was talking about going to the movies on Saturday. Sound good? Cool. Jake still gets the message. But, like, what was with this, like, fucking weird, like, sorry, dialed the wrong number. By the way, I, your girlfriend, would like you to know that Toby has a crush on you. Ha <laughs> Cool. See ya. Also at four in the morning. At four in the morning. Yeah. And then Jake also just, like, casually takes a dig at her, like, now go back to, like, feeding the chickens or whatever it is you farm types do at 4 a.m. Oh, Which my I God. loved. I thought that was great. But, like, yeah, what the fuck kind of code was this, Cassie? Uh... I feel like once again, if this were modern it. day times and well, I mean, she does have a cell phone, but I don't think she could have butt dialed him because I don't think cell phones from that time period were capable. And can't she only use it for like an hour a week? Yeah. I It's just it felt like she was trying to pass it off as a butt dial, but it doesn't really work in the time period. So I was just no, confused. I didn't. Am I totally making this up, or did did you used to be able to like pre-program numbers so you could just hit like three call and it would be whoever was in your three? Well, slot? yeah, yeah. Okay, but I'm saying if she's got like a flip phone or something, then I don't know. Also, I don't know how the fuck did she get this news at four in the morning? Did a horcruxer like come to her farm again and was like, "Hey, what's up?" Bad they must shit. have. Yeah, I guess. I feel like it would have been. I don't know. She could have just morphed. Honestly, I had the least concern about this chapter of all the shit that goes wrong. I mean, true. Yeah. This like if we're on like the the fire rating scale right now at national parks, we're at like least concern of fire risk with this. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, it was still like a little not good. It just it was dumb. It was just and like it was dumb in the way that she said she was like Cindy Crawford. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm bad at lying, so. She's so bad uh. at lying. <laughs> God. <sighs> like, anybody who listened in on that call would be like, Jake, why is your girlfriend telling you about a chick who has a crush on you? That's like. Super at four in the morning. Weird. At four in the morning. And how did she. Okay. If your boyfriend and girlfriend, how did she fuck up her speed dials? You kind of know that shit. It should, yeah, she should have been like, oh, hey, I I woke up in a panic because I forgot about this homework assignment. Is this due tomorrow? Uh, sorry, I should have called Toby, you know? Like, yeah. I just, hey. I just did it for you. There you go. <laughs> or fixed it. Hey, Professor Toby <laughs> told me this was due. Is this a real thing? I didn't write it down. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. Yeah. Basically, any of those yeah. would have worked. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. So now that we spent entirely too long talking about that, um, <laughs> <laughs> Jake gets up and he starts sneaking down the hallway. He, for some reason, peeks into Tom's room and sees a sleeping form in the bed. And when he tries to creep away, he steps on the floorboards wrong and it lets out a giant creak and he freezes. But Tom doesn't move. So he approaches the bed. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> Um, and he pushes down on it to find that this is just pillows. Tom's still out on York business and blah, blah, blah. Then Jake sneaks down the hall to his parents' bedroom, sees they're asleep. So he goes downstairs, leaves a note on the coffee maker saying, like, 
just gone running, gonna head straight to school after. Don't worry about me. I'll grab an egg McMuffin. Okay. And, uh, I mean, cool product placement, brah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, then Jake sneaks into the backyard, climbs into a maple tree. They mentioned specifically it was a maple tree. It doesn't matter. For they reeds. just mentioned it, and I thought I would, too. So Canada. he morphs to Peregrine. <laughs> Go, Canada! <laughs> he morphs to Peregrine. He flies out to the Hoyt-Bridger Valley. More discussion about how, like, you know, he flies in a confused manner away from it. He thinks he's on the straight path, blah, blah, blah. And the tricks of the fucking blah, 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 Elemis. And uh, then he gets there. <laughs> And when he lands, Axe says the Hork-Bajur are in dire straits. And he won't look directly at Jake. This is one of the few times we get to talk about Jake and Axe's relationship. Oh. Yeah. I'm so sad. Uh, I am so sad. But I did, okay, I did like this a lot. So um, he kind of recaps, like, he and Axe hadn't talked since Axe defied his orders and took Visitor 2 hostage with a plane. And um, he mentions how it was, you know, a gamble to avoid nuclear war, blah, blah, blah. And Jake mentions he has mixed feelings about this because he's proud of Axe for avoiding nuclear (gasps) war and resolving it. But he's also mad because, you know, he knocked out Jake and defied his orders. So they had basically just been pretending that nothing had happened and Axe wouldn't look at Jake. And that's about it. Oh, my God. Like, I That's wanted to explore this so bad. I know. Why? Uh, Why didn't they let us explore this? Because I don't know. Because we had to talk about Isaiah. We couldn't dedicate one chapter to a conversation between Jake and Axe about this. <sighs> Sweet babies. Oh, I know. Ugh. Oh, right. And then we get to the point of this chapter, which is Toby then informs Jake that they had done a raid. They had freed hork but one of their own had been captured during the raid, which means the Yerks now knew where the valley was or would soon know. I mean, I feel I feel like that was a long time coming, but sure. Okay. Let's do it yeah, now. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it super was a long time coming. Like, h- how did this just happen? Yeah. Like, didn't they express their concerns with the hork during raids, like, way the fuck back when? And they were like... As soon as they found out. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey, don't do this. And they were like, fuck you, we're hork we do what we want. Or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, but, like, also when you get caught, you're fucked. And we're not gonna help you because we told you not to do this. Which, I mean, I know they're gonna help them no matter what, but there yeah. should have been a lot more of an I told you so element here. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. It's... Because they definitely told them so. They did. They did. Yeah. And it was a risk, and they should have known, and they should have had, I don't know. A backup plan. Yeah. Like. Definitely. I don't know. Uh, like. And the backup plan. Cyanide pills or something? Like... I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, cyanide pills or, like, even just, like, here's what we do if one of us gets captured, but only, like, Toby knows. Yeah. And then, like, Toby enacts the plan. Like. Yeah. Ugh. And then if Toby gets captured, they should have, like, the Animorphs know the plan, and then they should be able to say, Toby's captured, what do we do? They evacuate, go to wherever. Yeah. Ugh. It's just there's so much that should have happened. Yeah. 
Like every fucking, you know, rebellion organization in the world, every, you know, secret service has uh, contingency plans for this kind of thing. Definitely. And even if they like, I mean, I guess you could argue that like the vast majority of the Hork-Bajur weren't intelligent enough to think of this. But Toby, Toby still should have. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't make uh, that argument because you got Toby. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it really, it really was not well thought out. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, and again, like the Hork-Bajur just really. I mean, I get why they were doing the raids. Like, it's a thing to save their people. Like, emotionally, I understand it. Yeah. But logically, it was just so risky. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. But that's the, the whole inciting incident of this book. So I guess we have to roll with it. Yeah. Um. And the next chapter is really kind of sort of similar to what we just said uh they basically they take a moment to let this all sink in and they realize that capture means certain death for all the horkbajur in the valley jake's the one that starts talking about evacuation but toby's like we want to stay and jake's like no you have to go you're gonna get fucking killed and toby's like no 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 uh the trees are really thick in the valley it's too narrow to use bug fighters effectively we'll be fine and Axe is the one that steps in and goes like, yeah, that doesn't prove your odds, but like a few percent and your odds are really, really bad. <laughs> and Toby's like, no, we're going to stay here. And then Marco's parents, for some reason, are also like, we're with Toby. We're going to stay here. And this is never explained. So like, just, yeah. I guess, roll with it. Fucking Marco's know. parents are props in this book. And I don't like that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Basically, they're just cardboard cutouts you can stick wherever you need them to be. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Ugh. Um, Jake climbs into a tree, so he's visible to everybody gathered there, and he tells them, the Yerks would be here probably early the next morning. If you want to live, you have to evacuate. If you want to die, stay with Toby. Come with me if you and want he... to live. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> but it backfires because he climbs down from the tree. He waits for the hork to see his side of things and stand with him. But one by one, they all go over to Toby and stand with her, ready to die for their valley. I, whatever. Okay. 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 Whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then we cut to Isaiah again. Isaiah enters the medical tent to visit the prisoner and bumps directly into Sally the nurse. She was a good nurse and good for morale. It, this was really weird. I did not like what he said about Sally, so I really kind of chopped it short. <laughs> I don't think I remember <laughs> anything notable. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, she had really nice jugs or anything like that. No, no, no. He did, he, no, he did not say anything <laughs> like that at all. He's but a like, gentleman. He, yeah, he was a gentleman. It was just so like awkward what he like not awkward sexually but like awkward isn't like he bumps directly into her she has this like oh my like ah. and then he's like she's a really good nurse she takes very good care of the men she's good for morale around here she just does great she's awesome like he was just talking her up like a lot yeah and i don't know why because it's never important <sighs> whatever um Sally is such a good nurse that she guesses that Isaiah is there to see the prisoner and points him to the opposite direction 
from where the where Isaiah's men were recuperating because the prisoner was bad for morale. So she <laughs> made... We put him on a curtain because he was bad for morale. That's basically what she said. She's like, we hung up this curtain because he kept talking and we didn't like it. Like <laughs> He's a bad man. Well... He has to go sit in the corner. <laughs> This is how we punish the enemy. We put up a curtain so that they can think about what they've done. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so stupid. <laughs> and, like, here's the best part, okay? The dude was shot in the arm. He has a clean cloth bound around his bicep where he's been shot. And this dude is still fucking tied up at the wrists and ankles, like, just on the floor in this curtained-off corner of the tent. Like... <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> so, um, this prisoner's there. Isaiah walks in. This prisoner's like, well, oh, the union has a boy in charge. How cute. And Isaiah's like, that made me mad because he knew exactly what my insecurities are. And it's like, well, yeah, if you look like a giant fucking baby, he's going to mention it. <laughs> you, just told, weird. you just told us you look like a baby. Yeah, he's like, I look like a baby. And the guy's like, you look like a baby. And he's like, how dare you? <laughs> Only I'm allowed to say I look like a baby. <laughs> okay, Isaiah. Okay. <coughs> Shit. God. Jesus. So Isaiah's just like, whatever. Let him talk. Uh... The prisoner starts mocking how few men he has and even starts bragging like, well, you only have like 20 men here. Wow, we have close to 500 and they're ready to take you from the north at the drop. Of <gasps> no, I've released all my plans oh to the my enemy. Fucking God. No way. <laughs> and Isaiah was just like tip of the head, like tip of the hat, knowing smile, like <laughs> like anime character style. Like, yeah. oh, I knew you'd divulge your plan to me. Yeah. Because I am a master manipulator. By saying nothing, you said everything. I fucking wish he had manipulated the guy more. Like, yeah. Fuck. Just, ugh. Yeah. Like, maybe the guy I mean, was stupid, but like, still. Yeah. And it's a legitimate tactic. It's just like, it's just that the prisoner just so quickly spit it out. Yeah. I, I see if he had like manipulated it or gotten it out of the guy somehow, that would have been like, oh, hey, like you may look like a baby and you may be insecure about like how young you are, but you're still like really smart and you deserve to be in this role. Like, right. I don't know. Would have swayed me to his side a lot quicker. Yeah, I agree. <sighs> it will. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think most of the complaints we've had thus far, it's it boils down to they shouldn't have tried to fit these two books into one book. Yeah. Like, every one of these things just needed more time to happen. Sure. And they just wouldn't give it to it. Yeah. I mean, there's more problems later that don't have to do with that. But, like, <laughs> thus far, that's where we are. Yeah. Sure. Ay, ay, ay. Uh, yeah. So Isaiah leaves the prisoner on the ground and he's about to exit the tent, but Sally grabs him and is like, hey, are you going to go visit your men? And he's like, ugh. Do I have and to? Do, do I have to? Mom, come That's on. That's what it fucking felt like. I'm like, don't yeah, be fucking it, ungrateful. You're the leader now. Piece of shit. <laughs> you 
fucking idiot. <laughs> so mad. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was kind of bullshit. Um, and Sally's like, it would be good for their morale. Go. And he's like, Ugh. morale, morale. And, like, We're all about morale. This is there. the morale tent. It's like everybody's dying. Just acknowledge it and move on. God. Come on, guys. Like, yeah, they're dying, but can we focus on something else? Yeah. <laughs> How to be an asshat 101. <laughs> yeah. uh. Yep. So she goes to visit his men, and one in particular, a friend of his from childhood that he's like, mm, I don't really want to see Mac. Just because we've been friends for our entire lives doesn't mean I have to visit him now that he's dying. <laughs> you piece of shit, Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Why do you suck so bad now? <sighs> Why are you such a dick? <laughs> Why do you suck so bad? Fuck you, man. Like, gonna go see my dying friend. Fuck. <laughs> I don't want to. I have other shit to do. Like, God. I get it. Like, no one looks forward to seeing their dying friend because you don't want your friend to die. But, like, just the way he said it was just so fucking, like, ugh. Yeah. It was an inconvenience. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, this will hurt me. It's like, I just don't feel like it right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting choice to do it that way, but whatever. Yeah, it is. <laughs> sure, fine. Uh, um, yeah. So Isaiah goes to visit his his best childhood friend who was dying, uh, and notices nothing about him is super wrong except he has a fresh cut on his cheek, and when Isaiah touches his skin, it's burning hot with fever. And they speak for but a moment, and Isaiah's like, the men have come to fight the freed slaves, and Mac's like, oh, I know Jacob, we had some bread together in town, it was, it was real, it was a real good <laughs> it time. Real. It was real, homie. It was a real experience. <laughs> it was like we really bonded over this bread that we shared. <laughs> oh my why have we made Mac into this terrible California hipster traveler, know. dude? <laughs> Mac is probably the best, like, morally the best character in this book. Yep. <laughs> I'm the sorry we did you this disservice. He's <laughs> That's what it boils down to. <laughs> uh, uh. Shit. Yeah. So Max basically like, no, Jacob's legit. You should let him fight for you. He's your only hope of winning also because we're all dying. Yeah. And Isaiah's like, I'll think about it. And then gets up to leave. And then Mac in like a weird like grandma move was like, would you please cover my feet before you go? And Isaiah's like, sure. <laughs> and then when he goes to do it, he's like, ah, all your toes are dead from frostbite. And Max like, I know. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but that's so summarizing. Oh God! Uh, I'm not making light of Civil War. It was terrible, but Jesus Christ! Oh, it's just their interaction is so weird. So weird. God. <coughs> 
god there's probably so much like symbolism that i just don't understand in this chapter i mean maybe but i don't know i just don't even <laughs> like a grandma and, like, if... <laughs> yeah that's what it was like trying to like guilt him like <laughs> please cover my come feet and then he sees the terrible injury <laughs> That's the worst thing anyone's ever said. Please cover an old lady's toes. <laughs> fucking die. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay. Some like real. Oh, good grip. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay, I'm good. I'm good now. I'm never going to recover from that. <laughs> God. Uh, then we skip to Jake. Uh, Jake is just chilling at the Horkbizer camp, and he's watching all of the Horkbizer scramble up these trees and weave together platforms. And when they're done, the younger, smaller Horkbizer are carrying up all of these spears that the female Horkbizer were churning out with great efficiency and stashing them on the platform. The old Horkbizer that couldn't climb as well were digging pits around the camp, and then when they were done, they would lower the youngest children Horkbizer down to set up all the spears and then work together to cover up these traps with twigs and leaves. And Jake's like, Toby and I are going to work on a plan now. We expect the Yerks to attack from lower down the valley. How they know, I don't know, but they're going to have to travel uphill, which is to their advantage initially, but not great for retreating. The plan was to fight for as long as they could and then back out into the surrounding hills. Unfortunately, that took them pretty close to the suburbs. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do if Horkbizer run into people? And then they just start talking about, like, racism against Horkbizer? <laughs> I honestly didn't even write that down in my notes because it was such a, like, trying to shoehorn that concept in here. Yeah. That, like, it wasn't worth mentioning past this. Um, they also mentioned the campers that are directly in the way of the Yerk approach and the Animorphs are worried that if the Horkbizer camp in the hills happens they might run into people who are racist against Horkbizer and that's that I, um, I mean you know it's a legitimate concern they'd probably freak out it's, it's a legitimate concern that they need to stay hidden but the way that um, like basically they brought up uh, the whole Megamorphs book where we were traveling through time again and Axe was like, yeah, people are like super not understanding. Yeah. And then, like, they all the kids had like a one sentence moral summary that they just kind of spewed out without any sort of like real <laughs> call and react. It was like a round table of how racism happened from each perspective of each Animorphs, yeah, basically. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> yeah. And it's not like that ever comes into play in this book either. Yeah, that's very, very true. I don't know. Um, but they, well, here's why they wanted it there. It's because we cut back to Isaiah, uh -huh. and he and some of his men were making their way to Sally's for Christmas dinner. When they got there, Reigns immediately was drawn to a banjo and just fucking joins into this fiddler who had been playing. And then, like, some weird fucking campy ass band a bunch of the men procure weird instruments <laughs> from like their pockets and shit and they all just have a jam sesh yeah like, 
cool, dude. Um, so while everybody else is having their jam sesh, Isaiah's like, I'm going to go talk to Sally's husband, Joe. And Joe's like, come, look at all the food my Sally has made for you. <laughs> and... <laughs> Just the way you said that was incredible. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) Um, And then Isaiah is amazed to find all of his favorite foods laid out on the table and immediately goes for a cinnamon bun. (gasps) Oh, shit, my phone. My phone. (laughs) Did you just throw your phone? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Hang on. so excited okay. you just tra- yeeted your phone across the room <laughs> i was trying to like gesture very dramatically and i hit the cord and my whole phone just flew across the room <laughs> <laughs> fuck did they even that have was... cinnamon buns back then i don't know i highly doubt it oh. like okay Listen, I know nothing, but I'm pretty sure that rationing was a thing. And, like, where would she get, like, the sugar? Or the how popular was cinnamon back then? How easily distributed was cinnamon? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. October 4th is National Cinnamon Roll Day. Cinnamon Bun Day. That's my mom's birthday. We celebrate that. Perfect. Let's celebrate that. Okay, this one says, around the mid-1700s, Northern European bakers began mastering blah, 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 blah. And laid laid the groundwork for cinnamon buns. Okay. So mid seventeen hundreds. So theoretically, maybe, right? Civil. I mean, I'll, Civil War maybe. was eighteen hundreds ish. I don't know. Someone correct me. But like again, how commonly available was it? And with like disruptions from wartime, how I did mean, they get their hands? I mean, on yes, them? that's like the main thing, right? Like, where did they get right. all this shit? Yeah. Unless they were, like, saving and stockpiling it so that they could have Christmas dinner. I don't know. Which, yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you actually went back to that time period, cinnamon ones were completely different from how they are currently in the modern times. And Audience, if you know stuff about cinnamon buns from, from the 1800s, please add us at Animorphs Anonymous. Anonymous at gmail.com. I never do that part, so I always forget what it is. <laughs> Jeff, just tell us. Jeff, message me. Jeff. <laughs> okay, anyways. <laughs> wow. Okay, that was a 20 minute discussion about where cinnamon buns came from. Anyway, you know I think it's just it's... in there because of Axe. Yeah, I definitely just think it's in there because of Axe. Which is funny because, like, he's related to Jake. And so, <laughs> I don't like. Okay, sorry, not to like <laughs> go back one step, but talking about the one-on-one thing again, they totally just tried to throw in that Horkbizer racism shit for this chapter. Yeah, they're like, and the like, racism is similar, like the Horkbizer are the former slaves or whatever, and it's like, well, but but they're not like they are, but like. It's, it's yeah. not the same situation. No, it's not at all. <sighs> uh, I don't know. Ugh. And, like, there's not a sickness ravaging the camp. Like, yeah. They could have, if they're trying to say, like, well, we're trying to make it so, like, there's less 
people to fight because there's few Horkbizer to fight, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, then just make it like they weren't ready for this. This is like a small outpost of people, 20 people traveling to this place. There's no reason to have like this sickness eating away at them as well. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't, yeah, it just didn't really do it for me. It it just didn't work. Like, yeah. I, I get what you, like, I can see in in a distance what you were trying to do, yeah. and it just didn't get there. Yeah. There's so much more I have to bitch about. Okay, yeah. Let's, yeah, and okay, let's get through this. So, the cinnamon bun shit happens. Joe is like, eat up, Isaiah, you have to defend the town single-handedly. Fuck you, Joe. And he's like, Pretty much. And Isaiah's Why like... Why isn't Joe fucking I fighting? He... Like, I forgot. Was joining the, the Union and the Confederacy, like, voluntary? Uh, I don't remember. Jeff, at me. Uh, Jeff. <laughs> I need our historian friend. <laughs> <laughs> we should, like, get him on speed dial. And be like, hey, who has some questions? <laughs> uh. Um... <laughs> well, Joe shouldn't be part of the union anyway because he's a fucking racist. I think that was the point, though, is, like, they're all kind of racist yeah. at this like, point, just, which yeah. is, I think, part of history. Except Mac. Like, it was... Except Mac, who's the most forward-thinking, open grandma that we've ever had. <laughs> grandma Mac. <laughs> grandma Mac. Uh, yeah, so uh, Joe's like, eh, good luck defending this town. It's cool. And uh, defeating them single-handedly. And Isaiah's like, I wish I could defeat them single-handedly. I'm going to be arming the freed slaves to fight alongside me. And Joe's like, what? You can't do that. And Isaiah's like, sir, please calm down. <laughs> and Joe's like, never! You can't do that! And then everybody's like paying attention to Joe because he's causing a fucking scene. Yeah. And uh, finally, he's like, yeah, he's just having like a kicking, screaming, yeah. crying fit. tantrum situation. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And then finally, Joe's like, if you do this, you lose the support of everybody in this town. And all these fucking blubbering idiot townsfolk who probably can't like, you know, add two plus two are all like, dirt, dirt, like nodding their heads along like, yeah, we're all going to hate you if you do that. Sorry, I'm being very mean to these people. They were just agreeing <laughs> with Joe. There was no mention of them being idiots. Uh. That was all me. <laughs> um, and then Isaiah's like, I don't feel welcome here at your Christmas dinner anymore. So he fucking leaves. Bye. And takes everybody with him. Bye, Bye Joe. Haters gonna hate. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye, <laughs> your racist um, Christmas party. Yeah, I'm leaving your fucking racist party, Joe. You can sit here with your fucking racism and enjoy your cinnamon buns, you asshat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck that dude. So, yeah, fuck all these dudes. Um, and then Isaiah goes to bed and admits he's dreaming of Sally's cakes in the warm house as he freezes in his cot. Cut to Jake. Who informs everybody they're gonna flood the valley? Break the dam, release the river. <laughs> We're gonna break the dam. <laughs> Here's my favorite slash worst part. He's like, the beavers have already done half the work by creating this dam, and we're gonna finish it. 
So they they all approach the lake, the Animorphs, and there's like, it's a seven minute walk, so they're just jogging over there, and they're all laughing about how unglamorous this morph is, and Tobias is like, it would be like James Bond driving a minivan with a sticker that says, world's best mom. Why is that Tobias's voice? I don't know. Jesus, I'm <laughs> sorry, Tobias. <laughs> I don't know Maybe. why he said it like that. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so sorry, Tobias. Um... But yeah, Jake's like, hey, use the morph that gets the job done. And then they go and watch the beavers for a few minutes, and Cassie comes up with a plan. She wades into the water, feeling for the entrance to the lodge, and Marco's like, the lodge? You mean with a roaring fire and, like, fancy chairs Marco's and blah, blah, blah. in this chapter. <laughs> Marco is a blabbermouth. None of his jokes are landing. He doesn't give a flying fuck. He's going to keep going. Yep. Much like me. I get that. <laughs> So Cassie's like waiting outside the lodge and she's like, all right, somebody go to the other side and tap it. So they do. And the beaver swims out and Cassie grabs it and gets like horrifically bitten in the process. (laughs) So she starts acquiring this thing and then like hands the beaver around. And once they all have it, like Cassie grabs him, like lets him go. And then she holds up her bloody hand that's dripping fucking blood and goes, Guess you should listen to your mother when she says, don't stick your hand in a beaver lodge. Oh, my <laughs> God. Cassie, what is this joke? I don't know, but it's kind of badass that she just fucking. It's the most metal thing. I know. She just has, like, this beaver on her hand, and she's just, like, holding it out to everybody. And, like, have you seen their fucking teeth? Like, that that wound, if she couldn't morph out of it, yeah. would be like, be... you're losing the hand. Yeah, that's... Oh, my God. Cassie's such a badass. She's so metal in this Ugh. book. God, who is this metal version of Cassie? I, I love her. Me too. Blood just dripping down her arm, <laughs> telling shitty jokes. Well, Fucking love and it. And, like, I... You know, I pictured her just, like literally the beaver is hanging from her hand and she's just like holding it up with her one hand i don't think that would happen <laughs> 40 pound yeah beaver i'm like one beavers are fucking arm. huge i don't think that what's actually yeah. what happened but like i'm assuming she like grabbed it like and held it in her other arm but like seriously <laughs> i just like to imagine her just hoisting it one i would like that too. this little girl <laughs> giant biceps she, her triceps would be so fucking ripped yeah oh god, god. cassie's so sweet mad tricep dips boys <laughs> dippies boys <laughs> god anyway I can't uh, anyway oh and then there's a throwaway line i believe in that chapter where axe just casually mentions that when he was an artist that his specialty was in, like, hydrodynamics. What? Did you not catch no, that? No. That... I... He's basically like, he's like, I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that. I didn't pay attention to that. I didn't pay attention to that. There was girls and games and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but then he's like, I am very good at hydro engineering. That was kind of my thing. And it's like, wait, what? That's very convenient. You fucking yeah. nerd. Why are you dunking so hard on X? Because I'm mad. Because I think that fact was very convenient at the time. Ugh. There's no mention of this ever in the books. He didn't. He's too young to have a specialty. He's in like twelve. He's in like he's 
12. He's a fucking, like, middle schooler. You don't have a specialty. You just start taking social studies when you're in middle school. Like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> it's like, oh, I declared right. a major in hydrodynamics. What the fuck? <laughs> you're, you're a baby. Calm down. Ugh. <laughs> uh, uh, that hurts. Are you okay? <laughs> My abs hurt. No. There's tears running down my face. <laughs> what happened to this podcast? <laughs> we're just, we're so oh far god. off the rails. We're just in the fucking woods at this oh point. Oh god. <sighs> anyway, Axe is a fucking nerd specialty in this very specific instance. Thank you. Yes. And Jake marches into the camp and says, we're going to flood the valley. And that's how that chapter goes. Yay! So Isaiah walks through the cold morning air towards Sergeant Spears, who is overseeing the freed slaves digging. He notices Spears looks a little too ready to shoot. So Isaiah approaches Jacob. and uh, Nope, sorry, backtrack. As Isaiah approached, Jacob runs up to him, and Spears is like, stop! But Jacob, Jacob is ignoring him because Spears sucks. Yeah. And so he keeps running towards him, and, like, Isaiah's like, whoa, man, slow down. And Jacob's like, hey, hey! <laughs> and then Spears <laughs> fires his gun into the air. <laughs> Jacob drops to the ground, and Spears starts laughing. And Isaiah's like, go out and ride the perimeter, because he couldn't reprimand him in front of the freed slaves. So the best he could do was just dismiss him. And Spears is like, what? And he's like, I'll take your position until you come back. Go ride the perimeter. Um so then Jacob, once Spears is gone, runs up to Isaiah and is like, hey, the trenches are in the wrong spot. And Isaiah's like, fuck, I see it. We should be digging behind the river. No. Um, and Isaiah's like, okay, get your men back there. Start digging. But Jacob's like, hey, also, we could fight, just so you know. <laughs> and Isaiah's like, I don't want you to fight. If you and your men get captured, you won't be taken prisoner like us. You'll be killed. Jacob's like, I know, I still want to do it. And then they are interrupted because Spears is suddenly riding back going, the enemy is barely a mile away. Thanks. And that's that chapter. Thanks. What is going on with the pitches I think people's <laughs> voices Everyone's should be? Everyone's trying Mickey Mouse, it's fine. They are. Jeez. Oh, this is where they mention it. Jake put, put Axe in charge of working on the dam because he was apparently specially involved in hydroengineering or some shit when he was an artist. Allegedly. RH. There you go. Allegedly. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, nope. So, yeah. Uh, so anyways, he, Marco, Cassie, Rachel working on the dam. Tobias and Jake go because they're going to try to get the hikers out of there. They fly out towards them and then go human a little ways away. And casually, we find out they can morph jeans and t-shirts and shit. Casual outfits. Whatever we said earlier. <laughs> Bullshit. And... Bullshit. Anyways, they go into the camp and they start telling the campers, like, a shitty lie. Like, the ranger was just out at our campsite. There's an imminent storm. There may even be snow. <laughs> And then these campers are like, they bust out their TV. They're like, here's the news report saying it's going to be sunny and perfect for three days. And then the dad dude is like, listen, we're all out here camping together and you need to follow some simple fucking rules. And one of them is you don't try to steal other people's campsites. And Jake's just like, Tobias, I got to do it. And Tobias is like, no. And Jake's like, I just got to do it. Got to do it. And then he morphs Tiger in front of you these people. fool. 
in front of these noobs and Tobias demorphs to Hawk and then remorphs. And they're like, okay, now you got to get out of here because you saw us as animals. Fucking what? Garbage. This plan doesn't even make any sense. So dumb. It's the dumbest of the You could have morphed a scary animal and come out of the woods and scared them the fuck off. I don't know. You could have handled this a million different ways. Okay. If, like, two wolves infiltrate their campsite and start tearing shit up, do you think those people are going to stay there? Fuck no. Like, yeah. this plan makes no sense. And also, like, the how quickly Jake gave up. It's like, move. No. Well, guess I got to go to yeah! Tiger. What the fuck, no. dude? Like, no. okay, if you had built up, like, Okay, earlier on the book, he was like, okay, we've been considering, like, coming forward as Animorphs, but, you know, we haven't really talked about it. If, like, if Jake had been, like, chomping at the bit to be like, yeah, I want to reveal myself to some random people. Like, I absolutely just want to, like, get our secret out. That would have made sense for him to do that. But it, it, there was, there's, yeah, I'm just, I'm incoherent, damn it. Yeah. And I kind of like i was really thinking about this like really hard and i'm like okay if they are camping in the woods for more than three days you can say that they're probably not yurks that doesn't mean they're not going to become yurks in the next day hours moments like come on dude Yeah. (sighs) yeah yeah that was it was just dumb and it was so not like jake it yeah it was not at all like Jake. And, like... <sighs> like, okay, another thing I would have bought is if Jake felt like, okay, the war is really coming to an end and we have no chance at winning. We have nothing to lose, so I guess I'll reveal myself. Like, if it had been like that, then maybe. But it's like you yeah. said. He just, like, tried one thing, gave up, and then was like, oh, well, I guess uh, this is our only option. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no. Yeah. And then Tobias was like, cool, me too. Okay, but and it's like, wait, uh, no, no. dude. <sighs> yeah. And then, and then, like, later, this is skipping ahead, but, like, later, like, Jake barely gets reprimanded for this. <laughs> yeah, that's the, uh, that, right. I guess I don't want to talk about yeah, it yet, yeah, but, yeah. like, uh, that's another thing that pisses me the fuck yeah. off. Okay, okay, move on. Sorry. I kind of, I kind of even forgot I was summarizing this book. I got so lost in my thoughts. <laughs> this book is an experience. It is, it is. So Isaiah tells every man to line up, and they did. And before long, they can hear whoops and hollering in the trees. Momentarily, the trees doubled, then tripled, and Isaiah yelled, "Hold!" He was sure this was an illusion. The madness cleared, and he was correct. It was an illusion. Yes. The enemy line was gearing up for a charge and then started coming at them. And Isaiah's like, hold, 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 until he could see the whites of their eyes, just like Harry Potter, and then (laughs) yelled, fire! (laughs) They shot at the men that were charging them, hitting some, some shots going wild. I mean, those guns are a fucking trip to shoot, so (laughs) not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Take forever Um, to load. They take forever to load, and, like, when you make your own fucking shot, if there's any imperfection, it goes wildly out of control. I mean, I was shooting at a target with one of these from, like, 
15 feet away, maybe 20 feet away, and I don't think I hit it once. Yeah. <laughs> this shit's cray. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, they're firing on them, and then they they were doing it, like, in lines, you know, how they do, like, fire, reload, blah, blah, blah. So they got off, like, three shots, and then the enemy was on them, and there would be no chance for another reload, so they just grabbed their bayonets and got ready for combat. The horses were right on top of them when they started stabbing and slicing, and the former slaves were using shovels as weapons to stab and hit the men off horses, and several of them wound up getting killed in this skirmish. The man Isaiah had focused on was now right in front of him and wounded, and so Isaiah went in for the killing shot when, bam, the guy shot him right in the stomach. He couldn't breathe. A moment later, Jacob and his men dragged Isaiah out of the battle, set him down, and the cavalry turned and left. This was only a small scouting party to test out their defenses. More would be there soon. Isaiah searched his stomach for his bleeding wound, and uh, that's when I wrote Tom appeared at his side holding the buckle. Oh, yeah. Joe. Sorry. Joe. Joe. Not Tom. Jesus Christ. Joe found his buckle that he had tossed aside when he was looking for his stomach wound, and it's folded neatly in half with a bullet inside of it. He had been hit in the luckiest spot imaginable, and Tom commented how the freed slaves fought well and then offered to train them. Why did I write Tom? It's Joe. <laughs> Joe offered this. I wrote Tom twice. What was happening? It's Tom. Civil War Tom. It's Civil War Tom. Maybe, maybe somehow that was a thing. It was a three-letter name. I got confused. I'm very confused as a person right now. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and I can see in my notes already that there is a lot of caps at the end of this next <laughs> chapter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We cut back to the campers who are... Oh, <laughs> fuck this chapter so hard. Um, I'm just going to read it as I wrote okay. it. So here we go. So the campers are a bunch of Trekkies literally on a camping trip in the woods to talk about Star Trek and get away from technology, which is two opposite ends of the spectrum since Star Trek is about technology yeah. and in the woods, whatever. Yeah. They try to shake Tobias and Jake's hands for way too long, and they're like, you're aliens, and Jake's like, no, get out of here. They're like, you're aliens, we love you. And then one of the kids suggests beaming up at them that they will be going with them or something. And Jake's like, no, we can't do that. And they're like, because of the prime directive. It's very confusing. Basically, the Trekkie guys think that they're trying to stop offering them technology or insight into what they can do as aliens. And Jake is just trying to get them out of there with any lie he can come up with. Uh, Jake gets graphic on them which tobias says you gotta tell them the real shit and um i wrote when <laughs> jake gets graphic on them which is blandly saying in his white breadest of white breadiest midwest farm boy voice it's real bad there's blood and gore and psychological trauma <laughs> <laughs> which gets three of the 16 people to leave the rest come with them to meet the Horkbisher who already know they're coming because the tree said so and now Toby is some sort of elfin queen? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> oh my god, it's just Okay. Let's let's digest this a little bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> like okay. There are people in this world who like science fiction, who like fantasy, who like, you know, fictional things. 
I would count myself among them. As would I. As would probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. That's true. We are talking about a sci-fi fantasy podcast. However, so, yeah, okay. Yes. Anyways. However, I find it hard to believe that I or any other science fiction fan would react like that if I was encountered with a real alien or what I thought was a real alien. Mm-hmm. Like, I would not be like, oh, wow, you're just like an alien from Star Trek. Can you do all these Star Trek specific things? Like, no. Like, fucking. Yeah. You would act like a normal person who encounters a weird thing. Like, you wouldn't immediately be like, oh, awesome, you're an alien. Like, just that's such a fucking no. And, like, the whole, oh, you have to say that. You have to do that because of the Prime Directive. Why, like, what led you to believe that Star Trek was, like, a biographical show? Yeah. And also, like, what happens if it's, like, actually, Star Wars was more accurate? Then what? Then what are these fuckers going to do? This is the first time that they are revealing their morphing powers to humans. And it's the most unbelievable fucking scenario. The most unbelievable result. And I'm so disappointed. And I think so, like, unnecessary. Because how this all plays out adds nothing to the plot adds nothing to the book like like i'm so grateful for the reaction that marco's dad had to marco morphing i'm so that was a beautiful believable poignant moment and then there's this shit and it's like what happened you wrote the same books (laughs) yeah oh my god that's (laughs) holy shit that didn't even occur to me it's like wow, we know how well you can do this. Why, why did you do this? It's like, it's like cartoony. Yeah. It's supposed to be a huge deal. And you've made it like a cartoon scenario. Like it's humorous almost, but not funny. Like, right. It's just, I don't know. And, uh, and like slightly later, I'm just going to jump ahead because the, like, I think our frustration is also coming from a little later in yes. the book. <laughs> so Fuck. like when the guy, like when they're talking about like, we, you know, leave the dead and the, the dad guy from the campers goes like, when you say dead, you mean like stunned, right? Like what, what do you fucking think this is? Yeah. Like, well, People still die in Star Trek. They're not brought back. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Why do you think you're not the red shirt? Like, come yeah. on. That that whole scenario was just also <sighs> unbelievable. So much of this is insane. Yeah. And then they... Jake fucking... With the intention of scaring these campers off and making them leave the area so they wouldn't get hurt, lets them come back with them to fight with the hork Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, and, like, if the point was to make first contact, this was a great choice, but the point is not to make first contact. I know! (laughs) If they were searching for people uh, to make first contact, they would have been like, oh, yeah, let's get, like, people who are really open-minded, like fucking Trekkies. Like, but that's not the point. Yeah, and, like, I think the other part of this that drives me so insane is, like, these campers are, like, okay, like, no pictures. This has to be super secret, blah, blah, blah. And, like, they're just, like, dirt, dirt, disposable camera, cool. And it's, like, 
you're not like I don't understand how dumb are you supposed to be like are you supposed to be am I supposed to like you am I supposed to think you make good decisions am I supposed to believe that you're willing to fight for a cause or do I think you're a fucking idiot with a disposable camera who doesn't understand anything that's just being told to them because you can't be both yeah yeah I don't know what the goal was here I don't know either. And I feel like there could have been a situation where they had gotten swept up in this and had to, like, like the the guys on the ship when they were fighting that realized, like, hey, these crazy animals are fighting against these things that are trying to harm us. We have to join their side. Like, there could have been room for something like that. Or, like, maybe some of the campers accidentally stumbled across the Hork-Bajir Valley and then they had no choice but to reveal the truth. Because they had already seen the Hork-Bajir. Like... Oh, my God. And that would have been such a huge contrast against the whole racism shit instead of being, like... Like, see, that could have tied this together. If they had been, like, people suck, people are racist, Axe agrees because of what he's seen, and then the first time the Hork-Bajir have this accidental contact, it's with these people that are so enamored with them because they love it. That would have been fucking great! That would have been fucking great! God! I have whiplash. I have whiplash from Ellen Juro. We haven't even talked about how Toby can talk to trees now. Oh my god, okay, let's get into that. I, I don't even know if I have anything more to say than she can suddenly talk to trees. Uh, it's fine, they can suddenly morph clothes. Everything is fine. I guess, I mean... No rules, I, just right. <laughs> this is the Outback Steakhouse of books. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Like, I get it. Horkbizer Chronicles, they use trees to communicate. They turned them into hollowed out instruments. They didn't just fucking talk to them. Yeah. That's an Andalite thing. And again, only specific types of trees. Uh. Not like your goddamn sugar maple. We're not exploring maple <laughs> takeover with the hork guys. I've <laughs> uh. <coughs> <laughs> never been so affronted in my life. That's not God. true. Ugh. I'm madder than I thought I would be. I'm the maddest I've ever been. (laughs) (laughs) Should I just continue? Yeah. This is a, this is, we'll be here all night. (laughs) I know. So Isaiah, look at the men who are gathered with their new weapons. They had stripped them off of the dead. Yay. Loot the bodies. (laughs) Loot the corpses. Why was that the happiest sounding thing I said in the last few minutes? <laughs> We're lacking tone in this podcast. <laughs> These men were in the few minutes of training they would ever receive before being put into battle. Rain stepped up to begin the training, but is quickly interrupted by a man named Samson who just can't keep his shit together and stop talking and pay attention for five fucking seconds. Oh my god, it's the worst. Oh like, my god. Reigns is like, all right, men, we have five minutes to teach you how to load a gun in battle. And the guy's like, whoa, it, I just can't what's believe this do? What is this thing? What's this button do? Yeah, exactly. Reigns is like, don't touch that button. And he's like, I just can't believe they handed me a gun. This is the greatest day of my life. Wait till I tell my mom. And Reigns is like, please, we have two minutes now to teach you how to load a fucking gun, man. Bring it oh, together. Oh, God. Uh, 
So basically the guy can't shut up. So Rain calls him to the front of the class and just makes him the example of how to load it with the cloth, the ball, tamping it down, the ammunition, placing the firing cap. He fires. He actually hits a can, which is honestly the most unbelievable thing that happens in this book. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Reigns is like, do it again, but then starts firing shots over this guy's head and Samson just loses it. He like fires one bit. I get why he did it. And like the the lesson is there, but I'm also like, you are wasting ammunition, precious ammunition. Yeah, that's the other thing. They start this training session by being like, we have no supplies, so you have ten shots to learn on each. And this guy's just like, one, two, three, kaboom, four, kaboom. Five. yeah. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Well, Reigns, maybe we all can't be so like liberal with the ammunitions. God, whatever. So, um. So then there's guns going off, blah, blah, blah. Reigns is like, I want to try and instill this in you before this battle. And they all begin to follow along. And by the end of this short training session, they're all more or less hitting the targets, which again is completely unbelievable. Isaiah, who has watched all of this, muses that it seems like they're more motivated to learn than the other soldiers. Almost like they have a better reason to fight. Again, don't know why that was mentioned, really, unless they're trying to draw that between the Hork-Bajur and them. But, like, Jake never has that revelation, so whatever. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Now we come to the next most frustrating chapter in this book. (laughs) Jake led the campers, who are now literally happy campers, to the Hork-Bajur. One of them walks right up and says hello to one of these giant goblin monsters with blades, and the hork replies hello, and then the guy starts shaking the hork hand weirdly. <laughs> um, one camper takes a photo, and Jake has to walk over, grab the camera out of his bag, and rip the film out, and everybody's like, ooh, harsh. It's like, damn, no, Jake. they were literally, <laughs> damn, Jake. Cold, man. <laughs> so heartless. <laughs> Uh, then Marco's dad shows up at this point and is like, is it true there's people that are here to help? And they confirm it. And so Marco's parents lead them into the spear factory they have created, add them into the mix and someplace on the assembly line. Jake goes off to do important business. And that's basically in telling the Animorphs what he's done. He uh, goes up to them building this dam. He sees it's coming along. He excited, or They're all excited to tell him that, like, hey, we've been working on this and the real beavers have actually gotten used to us and started helping. And Jake's like... Super cool. I told a bunch of campers about our morphing powers, our precious secret that we've hidden forever, and, like, I think you all should be cool with it. And they're all like, we are not cool with it. And then he's like, hey, listen, Marco, you can't be mad at me because you did it first. Fuck you. Jake, you're the fucking leader. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. For real, fuck you, Jake. Ugh. What kind of argument is that? You did it first? God. What the fuck? Seriously, completely different circumstances. Completely. Like, what is this? I don't. I guess, like, I'm trying to see where we went off the rails from Marco's book that was so fucking good mm-hmm. to, like, this. And I think a lot of the blame could be placed in trying to write two books in the same amount of time. But then these two chapters these two jake chapters like are so fucking off the rails yeah (laughs) book is crazy it is it's nuts i don't even know what's going on anymore i don't i'm not sure i ever did know (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm exhausted, and we're not even at the fucking rising action yet. God. Uh. I just, like, I can't believe, like, Jake has been so strong as a leader, so knowledgeable. Like, he's just been coming into his own, and we've all appreciated it. And then, in this moment, Marco's like, how could you do this? And Jake's like, you did it first, so. Child. Yeah. And I, I mean, I get that they are children still, but, like, this was so dumb. Yeah. And, again, if you had presented it as, this is Jake being like, well, fuck it, we're all gonna die, might as well do this, and that's, like, his way of kind of, like, coming off the rails, which I think you could have gone with, because you had that established in the beginning when he was so fucking, like, mad, and he didn't want to clean out his basement for 20 bucks, because that doesn't fucking matter anymore, because the aliens are invading. Like, you could have gone with that. Yeah. You could have just been like, Jake made a really bad call because he was just pissed off and done. That's all you had to do. And I would have bought it. I mean, at this point, so many things could be attributed to, like, we are fraying. The edges of this are fraying. And, like, instead it was just, like, the most anticlimactic, dumb moment. And it's such a fucking shame. It is. And, like, when you think about it, we've spent, what, 46 books? Like, this is our most precious secret that's keeping us alive. And now we're like... This is how it comes out. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it is. It is disappointing. It's super disappointing. So, X tells Jake that they need his help with the dam, and Jake goes on about how this is the relationship now. X still listens to his commands and follows him, but things are weird. So Jake morphs Beaver, gets to work. X tells them where they're going. They head up the stream a bit. Blah blah blah. Chew down a tree. It falls. They think job well done, but unfortunately, the tree is huge and kind of sunk into the mud where it landed. Um, so they're having trouble moving it, and they're all like heaving, hoeing, can't get it moving. And then all of a sudden, they hear this grizzly bear roar, and the tree goes flipping wildly into the water. <laughs> and Rachel's like, "Gotta have the right tool for the job," <laughs> which was delightful. Thank you, thank you for this gift, Rachel, in these troubling yes. times. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for giving me the soothing balm to my stinging rest of my <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> Shit. Uh, the rest of the team gets to work floating this log into position, slotting it into the dam where Axe directs them to, and Axe declares the project almost ready and says that the water volume has exceeded his expectations, and Tobias replies, it better because the Yerks are less than an hour away and there's way more of them than we originally thought. So Isaiah saw how happy the men were after their training and food, and he was pleased. They went back to work digging the trenches until Isaiah interrupts them and asks if they would like to be sworn in as Union soldiers. The men were all eager to do this and gathered around, and Isaiah tried to put on his best president's voice to do this correctly and had them repeat after him line by line. When he was done, the men were whooping and celebrating and went back to digging trenches, and Isaiah was like, I'm only thinking of home. So, it looks like the Yerks are going to attack at dawn. Tobias has apparently been scouting at night as a hawk instead of a night-visioned animal, like, you know, (laughs) like they have. And again, he mentions, my eyesight isn't that good, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, this is so fixable. This is a solvable problem, you fucking imbecile. No offense, Tobias. I love you. Tobias. 
Tobias, I love you, but for fuck's sake, man. Figure Just it out. An owl. Just figure it out. <sighs> um, <laughs> he'd seen like a hundred armed Horkvisor with the blue bands and just as many Taxon, and Visitor 3 was also at the party. Um, then Tobias goes, also, tell the campers to ditch the bright-colored gear. You're sitting ducks like that. So as they were ditching the gear and burying it, Jake announces to everybody that the wounded will be dragged behind an area protected by some boulders and the dead will be left on the field until after battle. Fuck. At that point, the old camper guy, I write in parentheses, Richard, I think, i like how i just guessed like just a fucking shot in the dark at this point like i'm not gonna go back and read it it's just all bullshit um so he comes up to jake and says when you say dead you mean like stunned right and jake's like no i mean like dead dead and so this guy is like i just dragged my children into an actual battle and he's like get over here kids we have to go and they do say shrilly. This isn't me, like, just yeah. going wacky this time. Yeah. Jake's like, be quiet. It's too late. And then he sees the panic on this guy's face, and he's like, ah, oh, fuck. And Richard's son's like, I'm not leaving. I want to fight with the hork And Richard, I wrote in parentheses, I'm going with it, says <laughs> he's going to take away privileges for a month unless he comes along right now. But his son is like, no, I fight. And Richard just then turns from his children and runs for the hills. What the fuck, Richard? Come on, dude. Those are your children. Yeah, no. Any fucking somewhat competent, somewhat responsible parent would not fucking do that. I mean... He's not competent or responsible, I think. I, yeah, but, like, I, I would not believe for a second that, like, your standard parent would ever do that. Oh, God, no. They would be, like, dra- try- attempting at least to drag their kids off the platform. Yeah. I mean, I would guess. What do I know? I've never been a parent. I, me either. I have no desire to ever be a parent, but, like, Fuck. I might leave my kids in a tree with a bunch of hork sure. <laughs> I mean, I would want to fight in the battle, but sure, I, I but... might leave my kids in a tree. Yeah, I just, like, I don't know. That, it was kind of disgusting to me <laughs> that that happened. Oh, God. Fuck, I just remembered the end of the book and I just got really mad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what it like i don't know what's happening to our brains this book but like we're losing it yeah <laughs> like, yeah we're seriously... the only ones that are going crazy <laughs> yeah we're starting to get frayed at the edges here yeah. like i forgot i was even summarizing a book at one point and you forgot that there was an ending <laughs> <laughs> when does this end how does this happen okay so um let's 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 go. They hear footfalls, many footfalls. There's several tense moments. Then they see hork that had been captured, the hork that had been captured, leading the blue bands into camp. Everyone stayed hidden. They needed to be close to fight with their weapons, which are teeth and claws and shit. And so so they had to... Real quick, real quick. They left Axe at the dam, which since, okay, yes, he's technically the hydraulics expert or whatever, but he's also like one of your best fighters. Yeah. For sure. So that seemed kind of dumb. Anyway. I mean, hey, what do I know? I've never been a hydro engineer. Yeah. 
You put the water behind the trees. <laughs> All right, not to discourage anyone who actually works in that field. I'm just saying. Listen, the beavers caught on pretty quick. I can't imagine it's like that hard. <laughs> <laughs> not that beavers aren't smart, but like, listen. You have a hyper-intelligent alien with a bladed tail that's your best fighter. Maybe yeah. fucking let somebody with a Horkbizer morph, which has blades, stay back there and wait for right. the call. Just saying. Also, didn't they call beavers, like, ants with sentience or something? Kind of, yeah, because they were so, like, task-driven. Yeah. Yeah. They're just type A. Leave them alone. Yeah, come on. Listen, I like to get tasks done, too. Do you think I'm an ant with some sentience? God. I mean, probably. I'd appreciate that a lot more than my current mindset. But hey. Well. Anyway, they're coming. They're coming. Being led by the Horkbusher. Helm's Deep. Gotta make them get close. The small Horkbusher looks around and, like, basically the me of this book goes, "Hmm, well, they're not here. All right, let's go home. And Jake's like, for one moment, I held out hope that they would turn around and leave. But then the Horkbizer looked up and saw all of the fucking tree platforms and all of the armed Horkbizer. And Jake's like, okay, go. And suddenly they're throwing spears at them. The Horkbizer take a few hits. Uh, Cassie darts in to attack the Horkbizer that had been captured and was able to recover him and drag him out of there to Marco's parents, who were supposed to grab this Horkbizer and starve out the Yerk to free him once more. Everyone else is sent into this fucking nutty battle where Marco's, like, smashing people's heads together. Rachel's just lumbering through the masses. Cassie's darting in and out to cause damage and so on. And after a while, the Horkbizer controller started to retreat, and they drew back out of this forested area, and the Horkbizer started celebrating, and even the campers joined in, but the Animorphs did not, because they knew better. Moments later, Visor 3 appeared in a morph they hadn't seen since the beginning of the series, the giant molten lava beast that spits out the fire molten lava things with trunk legs and seven serpentine heads and a line of taxon next to him. Wee! It's like when the Oliphants show up. Yeah. Except Oliphants were cool. Um, well, we cut to Isaiah in the middle of this battle because, uh, why not? So, Isaiah's asleep but fully dressed, ready to jump up at a moment's notice. Sure enough, Reigns maybe runs in and is like, the enemy is at the gate! And, uh... <laughs> He orders everybody to line up. They He looks through his field glasses, which we just find out he has for the first time, which were pretty cool. I don't you should have mentioned that before. <laughs> and um, he's seen some horses, and there seem to be no more than yesterday. So he's like, this is not correct. And so he lines up the men as he should, and the villagers all came out and came to join him. They wanted to like, hurrah, we're going to fight with you, including Joe, a.k.a. the Tom of the Civil War. <laughs> and um, they're like, we want to fight for our village, and we're going to fight next to the freed slaves because it's cool now. Yeah, and, uh, magically. Magically, it's all cool. Ugh. So the horses line up to charge. Isaiah readied his men. The horses came charging at them. He yells fire. Men and horse are taken out by gunshot. They have a cannon, which cool. just mentioned in passing. Uh, but Isaiah still could not shake the feeling that something was wrong. Dun, dun, dun. Then it started to sleet. 
His men fought valiantly in the cold and the rain, and the cavalry charged, turned around, and retreated for a fleeting moment, and he was like, ah, this is it. But then the feeling of dread overtook him. Uh, Isaiah looks around at all the wounded. So many of his men lay dying or dead, and the others are not long behind them. Isaiah tells Jacob to take his men and run for the hills. The white men will be taken prisoners, but the freed slaves will be killed. Jacob's like, listen, all my men, they're not going to go. And then he's like, men, go. And not one of them moves. He's like, see, told you. And Isaiah's like, I am arguing for your lives. I want you to live. And Jacob's like, we are going to make a stand. And then he tells Isaiah, that the Lord may choose to call him home anytime, but he gets to choose where to stand and fight because he is a freed man. And at the end of that speech, they hear drumbeats, first from the east and then from the west. The west is also a craggy rock face that no horse could navigate, allegedly. And then they hear drumbeats from the north and the south, and they realize they're totally surrounded. The men gather together, and Isaiah tells them to take aim. Someone asks where, and he's like, wherever! <laughs> and all. Uh, all, all the <laughs> options. Um, uh. There's a short, very violent battle. The horses do come up the craggy rock face, by the way. And uh, Isaiah is shot in the chest, and he can feel the blood spilling out of his body. He turns and sees that Jacob is shot in the back, and their eyes meet as they fall and die together. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, I became so much more invested in that story. Than, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's written much more compellingly than my angry rant is letting <laughs> on. It's it's actually pretty freaking good, that yeah. story, by the end of it. Yeah. So, that battle is intense. Uh, but then we go to this battle where the blue bands are picking off the hork one at a time, just casually and calmly, like Drake and beaming them out of the trees at their earliest convenience. <laughs> and um, there's they're just all getting incinerated right in front of Jake's eyes. And his friends are fighting desperately, but this is a really bloody battle. And they don't like there's just no way they can win this. And so Jake starts desperately broadcasting, bro- broadcasting, Jesus broadcasting his thoughts speak to Axe, saying open the dam because tobias isn't responding to him and so there's this like you know moment where he's sinking his tiger fangs into a taxon and bursting it and fighting another taxon that's like you know trying to jump him and then every moment he can where he has a second to breathe in the battle he's screaming open the dam and finally jake just abandons this battle altogether and runs screaming towards Axe. And uh, he's hoping to find Tobias as well, and he does. He finds Tobias desperately diving at Visor 3's heads, uh, and Visor 3 is spitting globules of fire at the hork incinerating them, and Tobias is trying to fight this giant monster, but he cannot. And so right in front of Jake's eyes, Tobias gets hit, flung into the forest with a sad screech, and Jake's like, I have no choice. He jumps onto Visor 3, sinks his fangs into one of his necks, and holds on. And he's like, at least here I'm safe from the fireballs. But then Visor 3's other heads start biting at him, and their teeth are as hot as branding irons, and they are cauterizing Jake's flesh and burning him and puncturing him and all sorts of shit. And finally he lets go, and Visor 3 said, I will kill you. And Jake knew in this moment that that's how he was going to die. Why the fuck are we not doing better at the relaying the message to Axe thing? 
you know, I want to spend some time defending these books and coming up with situations that could make this a realistic reason why, but I just don't have anything. Okay. Like, I feel like I've been a proponent of that in the past where I'm like, let me tell you my fan fiction as to why this did this, but I've got nothing in this instance. Okay. Yeah. I think fucking Tobias should be like his only job should be to get the message from Jake to Axe and not dicking around trying to attack a giant lava monster in his little hawk body. Yes. And when Jake appeared there at that moment, that should have been the moment that Tobias disengaged and went off. Yeah. Because this is kind of your, you know, your trump card, so to speak. Yeah. Like your last resort situation. And that needs to be absolutely ironclad. And it wasn't. And I'm very disappointed at all of you. (sighs) Yeah, this battle did not go well. And like the... Here's what kills me about this is that this whole battle was the hork being like, we have to stand up for our home and we're fighting here. We die here. This is our spot. We we're tired of being uprooted. This is where we make a stand. But the hork spent this whole battle just being mercilessly slaughtered. Like not one of them got yeah. a vignette moment to stand out and like stand up for their people. Yeah. And that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of fucked up. At least, like, in the Civil War part, I think it was Jacob who, like, lobbed a shovel at somebody and, like, knocked him off a horse. Oh, hell yeah. And they all got to, like, in that final battle, there was, like, a lot of moments where, like, the freed slaves really got to make a difference. And, like, they highlighted that. And then if yeah. we're trying to draw the one-on-one comparison, we can't because the Horkbusher just got slaughtered. Yeah. <laughs> I just got moved your deja vu. Anyway. <laughs> should, should we continue? Yeah. We're almost there. Cool. Jake was losing consciousness quickly, and he could feel the hot burning of Wizard 3's fire. He then felt a cool swirling sensation through his body and wondered if this was what it felt like to die. Then he realized, no, it's just the water, and he snapped to awareness. The water was flooding the valley, and he was getting swept up in it. He was being pulled downstream, tumbling, gulping in water, and trying to swim through air, and he realizes he needed to get control. So he starts grasping towards anything he can hold on to, and his claws finally bit into a tree trunk, and he pulled himself up and clung onto it. One of Visor 3's tentacled arms whipped past him and slaps the tree trunk just above Jake's head, and then Visor 3 was past him and gone. Fires extinguished, necks knotted together, legs Flailing, he swept down the river. After a while, the water torrent lessened until Jake was able to drop down into the mud and trudge back towards the camp. When he got there, he saw good things. He saw that Rachel had managed to protect Jara and Kat's youngest child and that the kid campers were alive, but also there was terrible destruction. There was dead hork all over the ground and yurks that had abandoned their host bodies wriggling in the mud. And Cassie had a terribly wounded leg, and Marco's gorilla chest was bloody and raw. Tobias came swooping in, and for a second, Jake was joyful at seeing him alive and hearing that Axe was okay. But this was quickly replaced with horror as Tobias informed him that Richard was dead. 
Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, so we find out Richard the Coward died. His arc as a character, not super compelling, but um, the very next chapter, they the two sentences away from now, they really try to like bring it home for us because all of Richard's kids are crying and like staring blankly and horrified and broken. <sighs> okay, but like, I, I just don't care. I know he. The last thing he did was abandon his children and run for the hills. And before that, there was no redeeming qualities either. He thought they were talking about the prime directive. He tried to like shake everybody's hand. Like there's this guy had fucking five sentences in this book to get to know him. And then he abandoned his kids and died. Like, I don't care. You picked the least compelling person to kill off. Yeah, if you had killed off Richard's oldest son, the one yeah, who, like, the defied one who wanted... his dad. Yeah. 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 I would have fucking cared. Yeah. This guy? No. Just why? You know who I care about way more? The hundreds or whatever of Horkbizier that died defending their home or died slaves fighting them. Yeah. I care about those guys. Why are we focusing on fucking Richard? I... I don't know. I really don't fucking know anymore. I don't I don't know anything. And like if we had have had the time to spend with Richard, find some redeeming qualities, maybe understand this decision as to why he ran, which like it, I can kind of I mean I understand he was scared, it was overwhelming, like he panicked. I get that, but like build it up make me care about him and then have this happen like there just wasn't time to do that there's no emotional stakes in this no not at all and like from jake's perspective bring it to me as if jake like this was a big casualty for him as these were the first people he decided to bring into the fold and he got them killed and that's gonna weigh on him for a long time but they don't do that either. Yeah. So there, there's nothing. There's no reason. I do not care. I don't care that he was there. I don't care that he fought in the battle. I don't care that he ran. I don't care that his kids were... I don't care about any of the camper bullshit. There was no okay. need for that. That's the other thing. Okay. Even if... Like, this wouldn't have made me care a ton, but it would have helped. If they were in the battle and Jake maybe saw Richard, like, defending somebody against an enemy like he had come back to the battle to rejoin yeah and fight yeah but there was no mention of that so for all you know he headed into the hills and he got picked off yeah and all you needed to do was add like a couple sentences it says like oh yeah and then richard was there and he was like defending a horse with your baby or something right like yeah oh it has to be like one of the it either has to be like He's a coward and he runs, but, like, we spent enough time with him that, like, yeah. we saw there was redeeming qualities. Or he has to come back and give us the redeeming qualities. It just can't be neither because then it's nothing. It is nothing. Yeah. Ugh, okay. Whatever. Just finish the book. Finish the fucking okay. book. Okay. okay. Jesus. Sorry. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at you. It's okay. I understand. Um <laughs> Jake mentions completely out of nowhere that Tobias and Cassie were the ones that broke the news to the kids because apparently they're the best at it. So whatever. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> you're really good at telling kids their parents died. Have fun. Bye. Yeah. You're the best person for this job. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go visit the dying men. Yeah, pretty much. Fuck you. Oh, my God. Um, Jake goes to Toby, who was telling her people that they had fought valiantly, valiantly but they now needed to leave the valley temporarily, which they could have just done in the fucking first place. Uh, Such um, garbage. Jake went to her and said, we need to move quickly. Visitor 3 might be back with bug fighters now that most of the trees had been incinerated or flooded out. Toby said she knew that this might not feel like a victory, but it was. Toby reiterated to him that they were just leaving until the war ended. And then she paused. Jake knew what she meant and was, uh, she meant, what she meant to say was if it ended uh, badly, then they would be enslaved, never to return. And Jake instead finished her sentence for her and said, when it's over, you can return. Toby looked at him with hope, supposed to be really enchanting. It wasn't. Jake headed home. The chi that was covering for him would leave just before he got there so he could slip back into normal life. When he got home, the front door uh, got to the front door. Exhaustion overtook him. He could see his parents and Tom in the backyard, but Jake headed down to the basement for some solitude. He started reading the last few pages of the journal where Isaiah was writing about the blood and the darkness swirling around him ever closer. He wrote, I hope I have done my best. I hope. And the rest of the page was illegible due to blood and rain. Jake's mom calls him upstairs for dinner. Behind her, Tom says, hurry or he'll eat Jake's burger. And Jake looks back at those words. I hope I have done my best and thinks, me too. That's his book. You know, I don't think I really like Toby. Yeah, that's fair. Like, not just in this book, because I didn't like fucking anybody in this book, except for maybe, like, Rachel and Cassie. But, like, I just, mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever really cared for Toby, now that I'm thinking about it. I feel like Toby's always been a very difficult-to-like character, because she's always so abrasive. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. There's new elfin queen Toby who can speak to the trees and can tell us things like this doesn't feel like victory, but it is. And it's like, no, actually, everybody died and this fucking sucked. Yeah, you lost okay, whatever. a huge number of you and you could have just fleed in the fucking first place. Yeah. And like, they don't even stay there after. They're like, well, this is over, but they still know where we are. So we have to leave. And it's like, wait, why can you see the fucking logic now that you've lost most of your people? <laughs> for a seer you're a real fucking idiot toby like what even was this book i don't know what even <laughs> so i did i so i read it and i was like okay this book had some problems and i don't have great feelings about it but like i only now just realized how fucking bonkers and not great it was it's super bonkers. and like here's what kills me is like this is such an interesting book from, like, the idea that it, this is one of the first times the Animorphs have a multi-day stakeout battle where they are setting traps and they are preparing. And it's a full-on, like, skirmish battle where yeah. the two sides square up against. Like, this should have been a monumental epic book. And especially coming from Jake's perspective, who's been, like, yeah. studying military. Like, this should have been... Him coming into his own as a leader and as a commander of a, some sort of army. And instead, it was just, like, this, like, 
fucking insane amalgamation of like so many ideas that never get off the ground and like trying to make us like feel these really big like you know the whole symphony swelling moments of like huge emotions of sadness or horror or joy and like none of it plays because it was rushed and it was badly done and we don't care it has the same problems for me as the familiar did. Yeah, it, it feels like whenever they give her a book with too many ideas, she can't she can't pick and choose which ones are top tier and which ones are bottom tier. She tries to give same service to them. But if you give her a book where it's like, here's the plot line, here's what you have to hit A, B, C, she can fucking knock it out of the park. Like the Marco book amazing oh my god but the storyline of that book is just that marco goes to get his dad reveals his secret to his dad goes into hiding like that's a very simple kind of thing yeah um the tobias book again it's like one mission one thing and you're just spending that time in tobias's head feeling those things but the the plot's relatively simple with these where it's like you have these two or three things happening at the same time, it's like, what the fuck? Like, th- there's no there's no editing on any line of it. It's like everything has the same importance. And if everything has the same importance, then nothing is important. Yeah. And again, I don't know how the writing process works. I don't know who was in charge of, you know, ultimately everything in the plot. So mm-hmm. if it's not Ellen's fault, I'm sorry. If it's, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. It, yeah, it didn't. And like, I would like to think that it was neither of like any of the author's fault. Like, I don't want to think it's Ellen's fault. I don't want to think it's, it's Applegate's fault. Like, God, I want to believe so badly. It was like the malicious scholastic guy that we can pin it on who we don't have to know his name or face but we just hate him (laughs) this hypothetical person yeah because like i came to love ellen so much and i was like when i remember this book because this one is so clear to me for the battle sequence because this is like this is a battle like world war one world war two battle sequence and like that is so cool and i always remembered kind of liking this and then when i was trying to like take notes on it i'm like wait this is nuts like yeah did i like fucking a it must be one of those things where like once i get this far in the series like i remember so much of it so fondly because of like how it all works together that sometimes i think these books that are like this i kind of just wash out how bad it was <laughs> and yet like there's again there's redeeming moments in this like yeah. isaiah actually has a compelling story yeah like, uh. yeah it's it's like you said like in the beginning i'm more invested in jake and the kids but then by the end of it mm-hmm. i'm way more invested in isaiah yeah yeah, that turns into like a pretty good little book. Like I would I would read that book separately. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Should we rate them? I guess. Well, we start with Rachel, so <laughs> Do we start with Rachel? We do start with Rachel. Oh yeah, cuz yeah. Well, I mean, Rachel was Rachel and she was just fine. 
She threw that tree so good. She did. <laughs> <sighs> well, whatever. Five. Yeah, she gets a five for she's me. A, she's I mean, gonna get a rare five from, from this book. <laughs> <laughs> a rare five. Fair. <laughs> um. All right, shit. Uh, let's talk about Tobias then, I guess. Tobias did some things that I didn't think were very realistic. Yeah, I did not read Tobias like accurately in this book at all. I thought he was way out of character. Yeah. Uh, two. I was going to give him a two as well. All right. Oh, we're totally in agreement we're here. In sync. Ba, 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 ba. That's in sync, right? Yeah. Or is that Backstreet Boys? No, that's okay, good. I yeah. nailed it. I nailed it. I know it's hard to um, tell the difference. Sometimes. It is. I get so confused. Okay, <laughs> tell me about Axe. <laughs> uh, I didn't like that he conveniently had that skill, but <laughs> I don't think. I don't know. Oh my god. Okay, I'm so fucking frustrated that we didn't get one goddamn chapter dedicated to a conversation yeah. between Jake and Axe. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. That that deserved a follow-up. And I was looking forward to that that fallout Me too. after Axe's book and we didn't get it, so We didn't. I think Axe was normal. I kind of only want to give him a four. Basically like I mean, he basically just declared he was a hydro engineer and then called humans racist. That was all he did. <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of there. So really, that would that would merit him a three from me. But since he's my baby, I'll give him a four. Okay, I'm gonna give him a three because he doesn't get bonus points for me for being <laughs> my child. So. Uh. All right, what did we think about Cassie? Cassie gets a fucking five because of that beaver thing and because Fuck she yeah. fucking, like, swooped in there as a wolf and grabbed the, the prisoner hork and dragged him out of there. Like, she was fucking, like, kicking ass. She was goddamn on fire in this I book. No. God, that beaver thing was so badass. I know! And, like, I didn't feel like it was out of character for her. Like, I totally think she would go grab a beaver and just be like, well, it bit me, whatever. It's fine, blood. If she, yeah, if she had told a cool joke after, it would have been out of character, but because her joke was so lame, it was exactly in yes. character. And that made it better. Yes. So. Yeah. Super Fuck five. yeah. Super five for me, for Cassie. She was fucking great. Um, what about Blabbermouth Marco? Um, I don't know. I didn't really have an opinion about Marco for most yeah, of the book. His, like, chatter was incessant and also just bland. Like, yeah. did not say anything funny, didn't say anything offensive, just kind of added noise. Yep. He was just a noise boy. I mean, I don't... That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Three? Yeah, I guess. I guess. All right, let's get to our boy Jake. What did I give him in his last book that I hated him in? Let's see. God, probably a negative 10. Oh, I gave him a three in the last book. What? Oh, we both gave him a three <laughs> in The Familiar. Oh, shit. Gonna have to re-listen to that and figure out how I wrangled my brain into that rating. Yeah. You're just so dumb in this book. You're so fucking dumb. God. I did... So, again, I liked him being a moody teenager 
And I liked the narrative that we came up with that he just said, fuck it, and decided to tell those people. Um, Yeah. But yeah, just like everything he did was so not Jake. Well, not everything. Yeah. I I mean, him trying to convince the Horkbridger to leave was fine, I think. Yeah, because I was logical and good, and then everything after that was just... Yeah. So, like, he did most things right, but he did one thing really wrong. So I'm trying yeah. to set where I stand on that. Well, yeah, I I mean, I my gut reaction was to give him a one because I was actively insulted. Yeah, but like, how long have we spent defending the secret of yeah. who you are? Yeah, and how quickly he threw that away yeah. is just such. Bullshit. Yeah, that's kind of unforgivable. That, and he didn't even go back and then explain his actions and say, this is why I did this, and come up with, like, a logical reason. He also didn't go back and say, like, listen, I'm the leader, and I expect you to trust my judgment, which I would have kind of respected. Instead, he went back, and he everybody's like, why he fucking threw shade at Marco. He fucking threw shade at Marco. He didn't even answer anybody else. He's just like, well, you did it. And it's like, I'm sorry, are we three... That, like it reminds me of how Rachel was written in the Cheetah book. How dare you bring that up I'm to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Petulant and annoying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He yeah, he blew it. He blew it real bad. He he blew it so bad. Like at least in the familiar it was like he was thinking things through and he was kind of solving problems yeah. and even though he had the neo moment like there was God, he danced at the street party. <laughs> he ate the bad those, tacos. He ate the shitty tacos. <sighs> All of that more redeeming than this. All right, one. He blew it. He he blew it big time. Damn. <laughs> uh, do we want to rate anybody else? I guess there's just Visor 3, I guess, if you want to. I'm not rating like, Toby. Visor 3 and Toby. Yeah, I don't really want to either. And Visor 3, again, he was Visor 3. He showed up, blew some fireballs, and fucking ate shit. So. <laughs> fucking beefed it. Beefed it hard. Oh, sorry, real quick. Um, I I was, try- of course, I was trying to predict very early on, and I thought Tom was going to play a bigger role in this book, because I'm waiting for that fucking shoe to drop. To have the show off the showdown between Jake and Tom. I'm waiting for it. Nice. Okay. Where can we find us? We can find us at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. We are also on the Facebooks, which is just Animorphs Anonymous. Or if you want to join our super secret, super awesome group, it's facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. And we are called the Andalite Bandalites because I can't talk. Uh, we also have an Insta Slam, which is at Animorphs Anonymous. And we have a Twitter, which is at Animorphs Anon. Find podcast of ours at places like Spotify and Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podbean, stuff of that nature. All of those. Just Google it. It'll come up. And uh, tell me about your comic book. I have a web comic. It's called Beside You. Please go read it at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U comic.com. I make it. Please go look at it with your face. 
and it is extremely good. I know because I see all the sneak previews on Patreon. Oh yes. Patreon. I have a Patreon. <laughs> yes, and I subscribe to it and see all the sneak previews you're and you're favorite. missing out if you're not there. Yeah. Okay, on that note. I mean, I don't I don't even know how to end this. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I'm truly like truly sad. <laughs> honestly, will somebody just come shoot me in the fucking stomach? God. <laughs> um all right well i guess much like our hydro engineering friend let's break this dam and get the fuck out of here (laughs) it's good (laughs) all right bye bye